who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! Welcome back to Angel on Top, a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of Angel, one by one, spoiler-free, in tandem with Buffering the Vampire Slayer. I'm your host, Latoya Ferguson, and this week we're watching Angel Season 3, Episode 5, Fredless. And joining me as co-host is writer and former Angel on Top co-host, Brittany Ashley. Fredless was written by Mayor Smith and directed by Marita Graviak. It aired on the WB on October 22nd, 2001. This is the one where Fred's parents come all the way from Texas and make every Whedonverse character really sad. <laughs> this episode real quick brit um by alienating our audience please um something i'm very used to yes you you know this well i'm gonna do a bit that will be a shout out to every empire diaries listener and pearl jam fans will hate it probably angel on top listeners will hate it but i will just say when a friend spoke in class today When a friend spoke in class. When a friend spoke in class. Today. <laughs> and that's that. Brittany. That's me. Uh, feels so good to be back. It's like wrapping myself up in a nice warm heated blanket, but it's no longer my blanket, but it still feels nice. So do you like this episode? I 
love this episode, actually. This is the first episode of Angel I ever watched. Oh, wow. Holy shit. Yeah. So I officially had started watching live Buffy in season six, um, but I'd seen some like reruns in season five. So I'm like, I guess I should probably start watching Angel. And like, I saw a little bit of the season three premiere, but like maybe like the cold open, but like nothing past that. And then this was like the first episode I really sat down and watched. Hell yeah. Yeah. This is a, I really like this one. It reminds me obviously of family, the Buffy episode. Yeah. It's, it's very much like the, the test to see if someone is really a part of the like inner circle mm-hmm. of the cast. And um, there's almost like a, false villain like you you the whole time you're just like waiting to see if mm-hmm. these parents are actually evil like maybe they're robots like Ted yeah. or maybe they're like you know actors who've been paid or some shit like you're wondering what the the deal is like if they work for Wolfram and Hart but the the tragedy of the whole episode is that they that the characters that we know and love don't have a family the way that Fred does and that's kind of the the actual conflict of the episode is just trauma it uses real uh Buffy verse knowledge of how television works against you basically it's like we've set totally. up this is what happens when these kind of characters show up so they, they're playing with those expectations the entire time yeah just very smart super uh, smart so I was a weird quit kid, obviously. That's why I'm hosting this podcast. Like, my favorite shows were The Practice and Allie McBeal. And my mother forced me to watch the WB to make me normal. <laughs> and this episode, actually, I, I recall vividly. Again, like, really, my first real episode of Angel had the uh, advisory at the beginning, which is like, this is recommended for the WB's teen and adult audience, which I don't understand why there's an advisory for this for this particular episode of television. There must have been for like other episodes of like Angel, like this. I don't recall them, but I specifically recall them for this episode. I'm just like, what is bad to watch in this episode? Yeah, this one wasn't like a particularly violent episode and there wasn't like sex or anything it, it just yeah this it seems like this was maybe the least damning episode in terms of parental advisory i think of every literally every episode of season three this is probably the most acceptable to watch yeah like the most like wholesome right yes uh, i mean it starts with inventory inventory so are, are we ready to get into it we're ready to get into it previously on angel the tv show we have Fred, who is missing and found in Pylea, and she has PTSD, and Angel is saving her. Handsome man, save me from the monsters. I'm not going to do the accent. Don't expect me to do the accent. <laughs> she loves tacos. And also, the host, this is what he does. We, we start calling him the host. We're three seasons in. We're still calling him the host. His name is Lauren. Uh, Guns Gang shoots up Caritas. Oh, no! And then we have a knife at Wes's throat. <laughs> yeah, so much happened. Truly. <laughs> Wes is upset with Cordy's uh, weapon organizational skills. A lot of season three so far has been these domestic dummies, basically. It's just a lot of hotel upkeep, even when it comes to the weapons. And this is where we get uh, Wes's The Purpose of an Inventory (laughs) speech. Yeah, it also feels kind of like the Wes trying to, like, take the reins on Angel Investigations because there's obviously, like, that struggle for power of like who is the boss is it Wes or Angel and I feel like he's trying to you know like even if it doesn't actually do anything just trying to like 
you know, like rearrange the, the, mm-hmm. the office so that it feels like his own and, and get a handle on the inventory so that he is, he knows more than Angel does. Yeah, it keeps going on because so in Heartthrob, Angel did complain about everything being all out of sorts. So they're finally addressing that situation. But also previously on was that Buffy is alive. She is. She's alive. She was dead again, but now she's alive. We have Fred asking, what time is it? And Fred has apparently been asking, uh, what time is it? Multiple times, uh, like a child, but... Which is how they treat her in a way, but like they're meaner to her than they would be a child, I think. <laughs> especially Cordelia. Yeah, especially Cordelia, but I actually love that by the end of the episode, like Cordelia is the one who misses her the most. Totally. Yeah. yeah. It is her like showing her cards a little more than than usual. I think that Cordelia for sure would have bullied Fred in high school. She would have. Um, there would have been plenty of fanfic about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Brittany, how do you feel about Fred, actually? So not that oh, we can like, really get into it. Uh, I love Fred. She's such like a... She like fills in this void of wholesomeness that needs to be there. You know what I mean? Like she's just so incredibly smart. She's so kind. She's so funny in like her own weird dorky way like yeah i i really enjoy fred and i think that she becomes like a perfect ingredient to their loaf i think uh, re-watching this episode because again this is an episode i i really love and i'm sure that's probably not the case for a lot of people because this was my first episode obviously uh, i'm like realizing now that i have to like really think about it that like Fred, like, has all the makings of, like, that new introduction of a character who's, like, basically the cousin Oliver. Because, like, this is three seasons in. Like, who the fuck is this chick? Yeah, I mean, I don't enjoy the, like, the... I mean, I understand why it's there. Like, the her being kind of, like, obsessed with Angel. Like, I understand we why she would, is. We all would, as we see exactly. often. Like, we, we would all be in the same We'd all be by Brianna's. But I, I think once that ends if it does who can say i think think i think we can say like this is the actual end right like this is like this is the conclusions like she 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 paints over the thing she paints over the picture of her and angel on horseback (laughs) but i yeah once that ends and she stops putting him on a pedestal and then it then i think she really starts to take the reins on like what her place is in the group. And that's when I, I honestly like forgot how little kid esque Fred is in the beginning Mm -hmm. um, because of, because my impression of her is, you know, like some of the later seasons. So yeah. Amy Acker is arguably the best actor of the entire Buffy burst. Like I've seen enough of Amy Acker's work to know how great of an actress she is. So I'm just like, well, I'm fine with this because she is she is that fucking good. Yeah, I mean, she really like reminds me of Allison Hannigan. Like I think that they have similar skill sets and I think that they can operate in similar functions and I think that they both the way that they can act and the way that they can like shift into a feeling really well um is, is very similar to me. She wants she's worried that Angel's going to get back with that girl with a goofy name. <laughs> And here's where I make my show, my my one shout out to a, a heterosexual man, my my good friend Chris Barbosa, um, who in college we would always 
watch the Angel uh, DVDs and a man and a woman can be friends when Harry met Sally. <laughs> and we would always just laugh at the, well, Fred. <laughs> so in the previous episode, Fred accepted that Angel will never be the guy for her. But, you know, <laughs> you, you still have feelings for someone even when you accept it, you know? Yeah, you can't just, like, turn it off. And obviously... When he when he you know invites her for ice cream, she obviously can't turn off her feelings. That just accelerated them. The season. Boreon is the season. He's looking good. He is, and it's- he's like I feel like he's like getting into like his. I think he's really finding his like comedic senses as well in this season. The wardrobe is great for him. Like he literally like looks good in that. He gets to do um, both like. I'm Angel, but also like the comedic stuff this season. Like this is the perfect balance for everything for him. Yes, I would have to agree. How did you feel about Cordelia and Wes's impression? So again, this was my first episode of Angel, having seen a few episodes of Buffy, obviously before this, and I loved it when it aired. I'm like, okay, I know everything I need to know about this situation, which is correct, honestly. Yeah, but the one thing that I was kind of like, miffed about was obviously one they don't know what happened and I will remember you so it is uh you know it's I feel like whenever they talk about Buffy they only are like ugh Buffy she's gonna like turn our boss into like a hell beast again (laughs) they don't they don't actually see the situation with all the complexity that it encompasses um but it's also like wild that we don't ever really get to see like Cordelia or Wes's take or like emotional response to when Buffy was dead, right? Yeah, it's just like Cordy saying she's alive and that's it. We don't, it's the one thing that I, I, I miss of like, I wish we could have is that just to see not just, you know, how Wesley and Cordelia really feel about Buffy being alive, but like the whole Scooby gang seeing how Angel Investigations like runs and like just seeing seeing how Cordelia and Wesley have advanced in their lives honestly that's yeah, like the because one thing last I wish time I could see they saw them they were like sucking face in the library or like <laughs> dancing at prom but even like Cordelia I think they could believe Cordelia became a badass I don't know that they could believe that Wesley became a badass I don't think anyone could believe that he became a badass unless they literally saw it but Angel walks in on this and he sees it so is it time for ice cream Boreanaz, again, I understand why Fred is the way she is, because the, the way Boreanaz is looking at her, he's like, who wants ice cream? Is the sweetest thing in the entire world. It really is. But it's also like clearly like if they ever did date, that would be the weirdest fucking dynamic ever. And it would make me feel so uncomfortable. But it's like. <laughs> That's why I was really shocked that she didn't have any like daddy issues because to me, I thought that it was going to be like a like the way that she just like wants his approval and wants his attention because obviously he's in like a position of power. I was surprised that she didn't really seem to have much like parental trauma because it's all hero worship. Yeah, after that's her true. Five years of trauma. All <laughs> right. All right. It's fine. Yeah. She- her thing's not a daddy issue thing. It's just trauma. Yeah. Sometimes I mix them up. The being stuck in a cave for five years and an absent father. I get those Brittany, do you up. want to talk about your daddy issues real quick? <laughs> I only have mommy issues. Aw. Make me sad. 
But yeah, they're in the sewer, and I love Angel. The TV show makes sewer seem so fucking cool. There's a big ass fan. I love it. Yeah, sewers don't. I doubt they're ever this clean. I mean, Fred seems to think it's very homey and very cozy. She Maybe actually I should live in a sewer. Fred's right. I yeah. should move to a sewer. I don't have to deal with rent issues. But they spot some some little crystals. That is apparently near the Dursalar, Dursalar layer. Dursalar, Dursalar. We'll never know. I think it's Dursalar. I think you're good in Dursalar. There's no way we can know. <laughs> it's not a real word. So <laughs> then he sends Fred back and it's just him alone. Then we see some like praying mantis looking thing. And then the theme hits. And then I have to apparently sing this now. Angel, the TV show is good. I really love it. Angel, the TV show is good. I love Angel, the TV show. Angel, the TV show. That's really good. <laughs> That's really good. Almost too good. So um, after that, if you don't let me um, do episodes for season four and beyond, um, you're racist. <laughs> uh, and this is where we return to Wesley. You know, back in my days, a rogue demon hunter. <laughs> like what days? <laughs> Two to three days as a rogue demon hunter. We saw the episode. <laughs> I really love the misdirects of thinking that we're going to get a vision, but then it's something completely different. They full on play the vision score. <laughs> like, you bastards. Yes. I, I love how much, like, they're having a lot of fun in season three, I gotta say. They really are. And this little, like, spring-loaded decapitation device, I love the the role it or plays. Or toaster. <laughs> in this. Yeah, I love the role that it plays in this episode because it's like, it's just so clear that like they do know Fred and they have a grasp of who she is and what her skill set is. It's just she doesn't understand it yet or she doesn't understand her power mm. just yet. Chekhov's toaster. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So Gun's trying to force Cordy to have a vision and she's like, what the fuck? And then when it seems like she might be having a vision, Wes is like, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> As, I, as, as I've noted um, in these past episodes, they've not had a paid case yet in the season. Yeah, I don't know how they're, you know, like, you know how there's like some some friends you have that like haven't had a job in a really long time. And you're like, how are you paying rent? That's kind of how I feel about my friends at Angel Investigations. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, so two laid back country folk come in and. They obviously assume, you know, the team obviously assumes it's for their services, but they're like, no, we hired a different detective and they've tracked her down here. New clients, Roger and Trish, uh, they say they're sorry to barge in on their arsenal here, <laughs> um, but they're here for their missing daughter and um, Gun and them are ready to be cool demon detectives. He even goes on about vampires, Gun does, and it turns out they're Fred's parents. And Fred's parents are played by uh, uh, Gary Grubbs and Jennifer Griff uh, Griffin. 
Gary Grubbs uh, fucking rules. Um, he was on the OC as the bullet, and I love him as the bullet, and that's good. He was also on Will and Grace, and he's been in a bunch of things. And like, if you if you see Gary Grubbs, you know Gary Grubbs basically. He's one of he's like one of those hey it's that guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Jennifer Griffin was in um, a show I really love, Banshee. Uh, as a despicable character because a lot of characters in Banshee were despicable characters. Uh, she's also in The Lion Game, another show I love with despicable characters, but in a different way from Banshee. She also has that look like the like the rich, uptight white lady look, but then she kind of proves herself to be a very like she, accepting, down-to-earth gal. She she rules it up, basically. Yeah. And then Fred finally arrives like from like the sewer basement entrance and and then she sees her family and she runs it makes sense that angel investigations wouldn't think to return fred to her family because these are people without family family lives yeah yeah so uh cordy immediately backpedals on the whole monster and vampire things saying they're la gumshoe detectives uh to which i wrote in my notes these dummies and their lies (laughs) You brought a prop from your movie when Angel walks in with the Dursler head. <laughs> um, to, to be fair, Angel just go along with it in a way that Lauren later does not because yeah. he's so he is so pissed at them. Well, I also well we'll get to that, but I had some thoughts on that as well. Fred apparently sent them a letter just to say she's o- she's okay. No address and Gunn continues for the rest of the episode to dwell on the fact that there was no address on, on this letter. He's like we we could figure that out too. No, you couldn't. You guys are bad at this. The thing that really made me laugh was when they're they're like, yeah, Fred's up in a room and they go up there and there's just like a half-eaten ice cream cone on the ground. <laughs> like just lying there like she was an abducted toddler in the middle of a delicious snack. Like she couldn't yeah. like she couldn't just throw that in the garbage can. It just it showed a lack of caring for the floors of the hotel in my in my opinion everything looks the worst for both sides of the situation <laughs> really <laughs> yeah because like fred tries to wipe down her wall so her parents don't see basically but that doesn't work so she's like fuck it drops the ice cream she can't take the ice cream with her but whatever she yeah, we're gonna not gonna, the yeah. Ice cream <laughs> they need yeah they need a sign that fred's been here the ice cream is still cold fucking gary grub saying oh son your prop is dripping yeah. <laughs> ah, Fred has parents. Because again, in, in the Buffyverse, you don't expect someone to have parents, especially not good parents. The deception, basically, is the fact that, oh, wait, no, they're just normal people looking for their normal daughter. And it's really sweet. Yeah. And it kind of like also, yeah, like the way that it plays with the audience's expectations, too. It's also like a, a really funny reflection of being like, oh, wow, why do I assume that? someone's parents loving and supporting their child is like weird or like not something that would normally happen <laughs> you right. know what i mean <laughs> fred all alone on the streets of la which but she's you know she's like terrified of everything understandably so she only she doesn't go out into the world at all by herself so this is like a very yeah. terrifying thing for her. But the place she does know where to go to is Carnitas. <laughs> Carnitas. <laughs> for old time's sake. For old time's sake, I had to get it wrong. Obviously, it hasn't been cleaned up since the incident. 
Ah, the incident. But yeah, before we do get uh, to, to Fred at large, I just want to say real quick, we do have um, an insert from Shallow Angel, which, as we know, is my favorite angel, even more than Old Man Angel, to which uh, Cordy is like, she can't believe that Fred has snuck off. She's like, poof, sneaking off, right? But <laughs> Fred can barely tie her shoes without saying, Mr. Oh, you're my big fat hero around. To which Angel quietly says, you think I'm fat? <laughs> He also, like, doesn't say it to anyone in particular. He's kind of just, like, to himself, which is, yeah, it's it's very funny. Uh, old Man Angel and Shallow Angel, those are my favorite angels. Yeah, and we got them back to back. The Comregeny Angel and, yeah, the angel that's, like, very obsessed with his appearance are both extremely fun. Uh, row, row, row your boat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is how we learn that Lauren smokes. He gave me that vibe. You know, it's the early 2000s. Who didn't smoke? It's L.A. People are smoking all around. Not me. I'll never smoke, everyone. Just so you know, I'm, I say no t- to smoking and to drugs. You'll never worry about me being a drug person. <laughs> <laughs> but Caritas also, like, gives me the vibe. Like, I feel like I can smell what Caritas smells like, and it definitely is a smoking bar. Yeah. Like, I don't think I ever thought of it, but, like, it's early 2000s. Of course, it's a smoking bar. Yeah. But Fred has come here because she needs help from him. And it's interesting because I don't necessarily understand how his advice is applicable, if that makes any sense. How she hasn't run far enough. Because he's talking about her trauma because he won't just go out and say it when she's talking about her parents. Oh, that makes sense. I love that Amy Acker does have an imperfection in it is her singing. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's yeah. her only imperfection. <laughs> Lord's, Lord's literally depressed and he has a point like no one ever comes to check on him because they fucked up his place and no one came to help, which is a... Come on, guys. Yeah. that Yeah, they should have definitely at least helped clean it up. I mean, they use him and don't pay him. Like, he is... Like, a, he's a freelancer. But this is actually kind of like um, a, a Buffy situation with, like, Amber Benson, where, like, she's not a series regular, and, and Andy Hallett's not a season regular, and we're all like, what the fuck? Yeah. So Angel goes back down to the sewer because he remember he was like, oh, yeah, Fred really wanted to build a condo down here, so I'm going to check this out. But um, Pay paradise and put up a condo in a sewer. Exactly. She's not there. However... Praying Mantis thingy is still there. And this is not a teacher's pet situation. Oh, no. It's sure not. Um, And then Cordelia is bonding with Fred's mom, and she reveals that she... So Fred's mom is a school bus driver, and Cordelia reveals that she's never ridden in a school bus, which, one, I don't know how that's possible with, like, field trips and stuff, but, two, she does... Obviously, that does track for, like, the true popular girl vibe who never had to ride the bus because she was always getting rides from, like, hot upperclassmen and shit. Did she, did she always drive her, like, Corvette her to Queen the C. field trips? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure did she, she did. I'm sure she was able to be like, I have a doctor's note. I can't be should, in a gross Should we bus. rewatch uh, Income Mommy Girl right now? Yeah, and see. Yeah, and see <laughs> if they just completely retconned her. <laughs> she was on a school bus. And uh, Roger asked, uh, which Fred's dad asked, uh, what exactly does Fred do for you people? Because she's a physicist. Yeah. So <laughs> I, 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 another 
understandable question. An understandable question for sure. And Gun Gun's suggestion for where Fred could be, by the way, is good. It's a like, very up, yeah. We should look at the local taco stands. That makes sense. Like a, a good thing about Fred is that we know she loves tacos so much. Yeah, that's like one of the very few things we know of like where she would like to be. Let's write in our uh, Shanty prophecies that um, Gun knows where Fred would typically be because Gun cares about Fred. Because Gun listens to what Fred says. Finally, Wesley has the good question of uh, a detective should have asked at the beginning of all of this, which is, where would Fred go to for help, for guidance? How did you feel about, so when they get to Caritas, how did you feel about like the the Lorne hostility towards Gunn? I'm glad that as much as there was an issue with the episode, they didn't just ignore that it existed and Gunn had to deal with the consequences of that. Yeah. There was something really interesting about this scene, too, with, like, they... So, obviously, like, out of everyone, Lorne is, like, clearly the most visually different because he is a de- he is a green demon. and He literally looks like the devil. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, like, Wes is trying to be, like, trying to be, like, these are Fred's parents. They're from the country to be, like hey, they might say some weird shit to you. It kind of like felt, this scene kind of felt coded in like a, um, I don't know, it kind of like reminded me of like a, hey, you're about to meet these people who are going to be kind of homophobic, but they like don't mean it. And so like when mm-hmm. they bring up his eyeliner, uh, like like the thing about like, yeah, we don't get a, get a lot of guys who wear eyeliner, at least it, not for long. It felt like weirdly ominous. And it's like, is it because they move? <laughs> like, where it, do they go? It's, it's, it's so weird because I actually, so the first part of it I love, which is like, well, Wes is being like such, such a Wes where he's like, Lauren, I'd like you to meet Fred's parents, Mr. and Mrs. Burgle. They're visiting from the country. And I love that Roger's like doing a sarcastic, yeah, you have to forgive us Hicks in Texas. And I love that part. Mm-hmm. But then I I feel like they go to, because again, it's 2001. You're going to get bad gay jokes that like don't hold up. I'm just like, when he's like, yeah, we don't get a lot of guys who wear eyeliner, not for long. I'm like, because is there going to be like a gay bashing happening? I'm like, no, no, we don't want that. The first part that was good where you're like, Yes, people from the country aren't, like, fucking idiots. That's okay. That's great. This is a good thing, like, a subversion. And then the other one's like, yeah, we attack people who are different. No. Yeah. We don't want that. Yeah, that's what, like, and I feel like that's what made, like, when they're trying to make Lauren go along with, like, yeah, and, like, you know, because you're, you make movies together. And he's like, no. Like, I've, like, I feel like it was Lauren being like, I've worked long and hard to battle through my own internalized phobias. I'm not going to pretend I'm not who I am just to, like, appease this guy from Texas in my own bar that I pay for. Like, it just he's, very he's, much felt like that. He's experience. right after what they did to his bar, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, Lauren doesn't have to play along because, like, fuck that. <laughs> Yeah, um, another interesting thing we learn about Lorne is that his heart is in his left butt cheek. We might have known that from the pilot episodes. God damn it. <laughs> well, it's the first time I ever really grasped it. So yeah, for, I think they, it was the first time I, think I they learned they insult it. Cordelia for her heart being in her chest, actually. <laughs> damn it. Fucking freak. Fucking cow freak. 
Buffering, a rewatch adventure, is sponsored by Care Of. Care Of is a health and wellness company that ships high-quality, personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders conveniently to your door every month. All you do to get started is take a short, simple online quiz about your lifestyle and health goals, and Care Of will give you doctor-backed recommendations. Their app helps you track how you're feeling and play back insights about your results over time so you can actually adjust your routine as your needs change. It's very cool. My number one health goal in this and every season is keeping my energy at maximum capacity. (laughs) A lot of little tributaries feed into that larger stream and contribute to your energy level. But a really important one is B vitamins. B for bright, for bubbly, for buoyant, for feeling better. B for buffering. I think the vitamin B is working, Jenny. (laughs) I think so, too. For 50% off your first Care Of subscription order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code REWATCH50. That's 50% off your first Care Of subscription order. Just go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code REWATCH50. You've probably heard the name Mary, Queen of Scots, and maybe you know the importance of her legacy to the British monarchy, but how much do you know about her life and what she was really like? For instance, did you know that she preferred to have her eggs scrambled or that giving gifts was her love language? In my podcast, Vulgar History, we'll be talking about all that and more during an eight-part miniseries about the fascinating life of Mary, Queen of Scots. Vulgar History is a feminist women's history comedy podcast where we don't shy away from the messy, complicated lives of women from the olden times. Particularly with women in history, it's easier to use broad strokes to portray who they were. And it's like we forget they probably also had messy lives, complicated relationships, and maybe things weren't as black and white as they might seem in a textbook. But I'm dedicated to sharing the sides of the stories we don't always hear. And each episode is supported by rigorous historical research. Turns out there's really something about Mary Queen of Scots. So be sure to turn into my series about Mary Queen of Scots and check out the other incredible women I've talked about while you're there. You can listen and subscribe to Vulgar History wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at vulgarhistory.com. So the interesting thing about the train station that Fred's at is it's actually just the hotel lobby redressed. (laughs) Yes, it is. And not very well. The smallest union season that's ever exists because it's clearly the hotel lobby. Like, so clearly. Like, they really didn't. Like, what was the budget for this set? Like, $5? It doesn't make any sense why they couldn't change it at all. The budget on this episode was all for the bug creatures and, like, the weird frame rate situation they were doing to make them seem cool. Yeah, and to get uh, Gary Grubb. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he had a very he had a very high day rate. This was this, this probably was post um, Will and Grace. Let me double check because yeah, then it would have been like oh yeah 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 yeah. We this spent is all, all the Gary budget Grubbs. on Gary. Yeah, this is like right after Will and Grace. <laughs> His uh, arc on that. When I uh, interviewed Charisma for Slayer Fest, we talked a lot about the budget and the, the budget for Angel was pretty high actually, and it, like it shows because this was the first one of the first shows that had. Um, the show was filmed in widescreen. So it's not like one of those things with, with Buffy where like it was a, a shot full screen and they stretched out to widescreen and you can see people in the background. Yeah. Like it was, This was actually filmed widescreen starting in season two. Like they, they spent money on this show, but like you can tell when they, they ran out of money. Yeah, definitely. 
as a audience member, you're wondering like, okay, if her parents aren't evil, then why is she running away from them? And then when she reunites with them, I mean, you get like a very sad answer of, of why she didn't want to see them or why she couldn't see them. I cried during this episode rewatching this. I haven't rewatched it in a while. I just like even knowing what was going to happen. And once it happened, I just started sobbing What during the reunion. Yeah. Like she has so much unaddressed trauma that. You see in moments, but for the most part, yeah. a lot of it is played for humor. And so this is the first time that both the mm-hmm. show and Fred as the character is yeah. really coming to terms with the fact that, like, she went through, like, hell. Like, this was a scary thing. Five years of trauma is real. And, like, I've been, like, upset with the show, obviously, these past few episodes. Every time, like, they make a joke or they, like, they ignore him, like... Why why aren't you really dealing with this? Yeah. But like here we finally deal with it because like even it's basically the fact is that Fred is even trying to not deal with it. Mm -hmm. It's what it is. I was five years and and so lost and and at night I would, I was all by myself and you weren't there. Fred, I don't understand. I got lost. I got lost and they did terrible things to me, but, but it was just a storybook. It was just a story with monsters, not real, not in the world, but but if you're here and you see me, then, then it's real. Jesus Christ. It, sometimes when trauma happens, your brain will literally shove it away into a drawer that you can't open because it would be too painful to deal with it. And so that, in a way, is what she has done. And then seeing her parents, yeah, it is like a, it's confirmation that everything that she went through was something that actually happened. And she now has to deal with that, which she doesn't want to, because who wants to? That's why so many people don't go to therapy, because they don't want to deal with trauma and moving past it. I don't want to deal <laughs> with my trauma. Please don't make me deal. Because my, my heart can't take it anymore. <laughs> Real quick, I'm just saying, um, you're supposed to do Kristen Corner at uh, Lauren back at Caritas, but we didn't do it. So, Kristen, please talk about Lauren. Talk about those pimentos and the olives. Do it to him. Sorry, Kristen's <laughs> Corner. <laughs> Oh, hi. Thank you so much for remembering that I have a corner here named Kristen's Corner. So happy to be with you all. Listen, you want to get back to Brittany and LaToya because how fun are the two of them talking about this television show? But I would like to play a sound clip, a little sound clip, because I have the power to do that. Let's hear a question that Lauren asks Angel. He asks this question to distract Angel, but I'm here to answer it. And another thing, how... uh... How do they get the pimentos and the olives, huh? There's a mystery for you. Yeah. Do they stuff each one by hand? Because, I mean, that seems a little time-consuming. Or do you think they have a, a little pimento stuffing machine? Thing? 
Lauren, that is a perfect question for this random ass segment called Kristen's Corner. And I will tell you, up until the early 1960s, pimentos, which are peppers, I'm going to get into that in a second. You just hang tight. Pimentos were sliced and they were stuffed into olives by hand. Now, this information is from an article on mental floss. And the article says, stuffed into olives by hand, presumably by patient workers with long tapery fingers. So I just want everybody to take a moment. Look down at your own fingers. Do you think you have fingers that are long and tapery enough to fit a pimento and an olive? Okay, great. That was our interactive moment of the segment. Now I would like to tell you that in 1962, a company in Spain introduced the first automatic olive stuffing machine. Uh, That company, Sadrim, I believe is the name of it, is the largest manufacturer of the olive stuffing machine today. Now listen, this pimento stuffing machine, this olive stuffing machine, it has to be very precisely calibrated. First it cuts, I'm reading from the article now, a plug the size of the pit in one end of the olive and pushes the pit out using an X-shaped punch on the opposite end of the fruit. Olives are fruits. Who knew? Then the pitted olive moves to the next station where a strip of pimento is cut and injected into the cavity. Wow. These Kristen's Corners are just getting sexier by the minute. So now you know, Lorne, that's how a pimento gets into an olive. Uh, Not by hand anymore, but if you travel back in time to uh, a time before 1962, you can look for the tapery-fingered olive stuffers. (laughs) I had a big plan about telling you about, like, the heat of chili peppers and then, like, tying it into the episode, but I've just had way too much fun by myself in my recording closet with this Kristen's Corner to even go any further So um, I think we were talking about a grand reunion at a bus station. Brittany and LaToya uh, are going to take you back to that moment of reunion. Uh, And as I would like to say, back to the Pement Show. Am I fired? It's a it's a very sweet reunion. You're safe now, but then of course the like praying mantis thing shows up, um, and then the frame rate is like going out of control. Yeah, because this is how we show that it's intimidating. And uh, this is also where Fred's parents learn that Angel is a vampire. The team has to breeze through that explanation really okay. quickly. So Wesley gives the explanation to what what happened to Angel's face. To which Angel Wes says, Angel's a vampire. He has a soul, but it's a long story. I'll tell you about it if we don't have dying. Which um having a soul as a vampire means nothing to a human in this world. It's just like saying literally could say Angel's a vampire. I'll tell you about it if we don't end up dying. That's the line. Yeah. Like, that's what you have to say. The soul part, like what what the fuck does that mean? Is what Roger should have said. Yeah. I love the that's my daughter, you damn cockroach. I'm the father of a daughter, you goddamn cockroach. Roger is so much the father of a daughter, but in a good way. Yeah, he's like a yeah, he's a less problematic Trevor Lockley. He's like a Hank Hill. I never get to talk about Trevor Lockley on this podcast. <laughs> Trevor what a piece Lockley. of shit. 
what a piece of shit. Yeah, Trevor Lockley sucks. So uh, sometimes when when information drops in an episode, you're like, well, you know, did we really need to know that Fred's mom was a bus driver? But yeah, we did because splat (laughs) bus driver mommy kills this cockroach and it looks like the purple ooze from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. Ooh, Ivan Ooze. (laughs) Ivan Ooze. That's the Patreon episode where we talk about the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie because I could do that for hours. Oh, same. But given how, I mean, after, obviously, after this this thing dies, given how much information Fred's parents had to learn in a very short span of time, they're very cool with everything. And they're actually pretty supportive of Fred and proud of her even. Um, but they've adapted very quickly, which is also feels like flipping what we'd expect, um, especially if you've seen... The from the country family. yeah and also <laughs> the country but also like it feels like a happy ending version of the family episode of buffy gary grubbs more accepting than amy adams that's what we're saying here yeah as people <laughs> but there is this line i think it's when cordelia says like i gotta say this is not how i pictured it turning out because it's just saying exactly what the audience is thinking of like mm-hmm. how the episode is turning out and I just want to say that when Trish, uh, Fred's mom, um, saves the day by driving a bus, as you do, she does ask, did I get it? Yeah. <laughs> did I get it, y'all? Which is a callback to the season three Buffy episode, Gingerbread, by the way. What was the... Who said that? Buffy says it when she <laughs> impales the fucking Hansel and Gretel demon. Oh, my with God. Her, you can see what I'm doing. Yes, I do. She impales it and she like it gives it like right in the throat and she's like, Did I get it? Oh my god. Did I get it? I love that Cordy's like patching up Fred and Gun bless his heart. Uh bless to him. go real Texan and Southern in general, bless his heart, who believes that the head that Angel brought is really paper mache. Yeah. A rare moment of Gun being kind of a himbo. Gun is a himbo, and that's actually what is best for him. <laughs> Himbos are good and pure, and that's what Gun is. He really is. Yeah, and Angel was there, like just watching them be a happy family, and like jealous because what's a happy family? So yeah, so when Fred is like listing off everyone's role in the team, she's like, "Yeah, Angel's the champion, Wes is the brains, Gun's the muscle, Cordy's the heart, and that's all." I guess. <laughs> just it's like I guess I don't. I don't fit in at all. <laughs> I, 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 first of all, I love that you're doing a, a Fred impression. Should we talk about uh, the email we got for this one specifically? Oh yeah, absolutely. So we got a, a fan email for this particular scene. Actually, well, I need you to read this because I want you to do a British accent. Hi guys. Hey guys, I'm Izzy and I live in England. I'm 14 years old and I absolutely love your Buffy and Angel podcast so much. This is just a quick question. But in the episode Fredless, Fred explains that Angel is the champion, Cordy's the heart, Wesley's the brains, and Gunn is the muscle. So my question is, what is Fred? I honestly think that she is more the heart, especially because of what happens in later seasons, but she would also be the brains. I'm just interested to know what you think she is. Izzy, kisses, kisses, kisses? <laughs> that was great thank you so much um and also thank you izzy i think that she's like the she's like the inventor she's like the 
I think she's the brains. Yeah, she's the brains in a different way. Because, like, Wesley's the brains in terms of the mystical and supernatural. But, like, she's the brains in, in terms of the science. But not in a way that ignores that the mystical exists. But, like, she can logically explain why these things are happening. Yeah, too. like, Wes is, like, the the boss. But she's the brains. So how did you feel about the, like, when uh, Fred's dad is trying to show how accepting he is, he's like, I don't care if we drink pig's blood, cow's blood, or those froofy little imported beers. It kind of felt like a weird, like, like, oh, oh yeah, like froofy. being a blood sucking demon is the same as being a gay lord or worse, a woman. <laughs> it was like this paradox of like trying to show how accepting you are by putting by pointing out that you're so cool with what you say you're cool with by showing everyone how you actually feel by categorizing like things that are not alike. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause the fruity specifically is the thing that yeah. makes it like, what it is. I don't care if you kill people or you're gay. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> like, like that. It's not like this thing isn't accepted by other people and not worthy of it, but it's accepted by me. And I'm cool with that. <laughs> I, I feel like, they make it so Fred's parents are accepting and it it works. They shouldn't have added the eyeliner like uh, line because I feel like that's like too dangerous. <laughs> Maybe don't say the eyeliner line, but like, yeah, they don't stay for long. Like, well, that's scary. Yeah, but I feel they're, like they're, Lauren got... Their acceptance works better if they, you don't have that line at all. Yeah, it like, to me, it like kind of painted like what Lauren got the vibe of, of like, oh, these aren't my people. Bye. Get out of my karaoke mm-hmm. bar. <laughs> yeah but from this you know conversation of fred you know listing off everyone's role she decides that she wants to go home because she thinks she, doesn't that think she, she has place. a role yeah yeah and you know angel enters fred's room when she's like packing up and she's feeling every feeling under the sun and you know she's talking about the story that's in the wallpaper it's a fairy tale angel's the handsome prince who saved her and yeah, it does. It shows like the story that she had to tell herself in order to cope, which, you know, that's why it makes it so much more powerful when she and the others are like painting over it. It's that like, mm-hmm. OK, yeah. this was just a story I had to tell myself, but it's not the actual one. Yeah. Like the actual one is is the real one. Yeah. She says like dumb old fairy tales and they're happily ever after. Now you'd think that was the end, wouldn't you? dumb old fairy tales and their happily ever afters. The minute they got back to the castle, the handsome man went away again. And even though she didn't mean to, didn't want to, high up in that castle, the girl just built herself another cave, hoping that he would save her again. You can't save me this time. Can you? But yeah, Fred says her goodbyes. And yeah, the like cute moment where Cordelia is like, between you and me, I'm almost a little jealous is really sweet. It's necessary for what we've done, like had this season with Cordy being Cordy was like been the most like intolerable when it comes to Fred. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, it could be because she has to like split her money more or because of the fact that what money they're not having jobs. Yeah, that too. Or because of the fact that like Fred is so like dependent on Angel's attention. And that's probably really annoying too. Like there's a lot of reasons why she's kind of just 
annoyed with Fred. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I do wonder if uh, Cordy is worried about like Fred getting Angel's attention because I feel like Angel still gives Cordy all the like the the amount of attention she deserves as well. <laughs> I, 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 if anything, like it's Wes and Gunn who are getting less attention because of Fred and not Cordy. You know, true. That's very true. I think they're all kind of reflecting on the fact that they don't have this option because mm-hmm. obviously Gunn's sister Alana, she is dead. She's the only other family member that up until this point we really knew. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the friends that he had that he would go, you know, demon hunting with that has been cut off as of recently. So mm-hmm. um, Angel Investigations is his only family. Cordelia's dad drove their family into the ground financially. And from what we know, she doesn't talk to them anymore. Wes has like a very tumultuous relationship with his dad, which oh, we yeah. get a little more Wes- of. And you know, Angel, you know, he killed his family. It's all equal yeah. things. <laughs> <laughs> this is all equal. Yeah. But, you know, we're still obviously like we're almost done with the episode. We're trying to figure out like, OK, is there zero threat in this episode at all? And when Fred is, you know, in the cab with her parents, she realizes that those crystals that she saw in the cave are on her shirt now. And so she's like, okay, something is fucking up. And then we cut back to the hotel. The praying mantis thing is here once again. By the way, did you see the ass on that thing? Are you saying it's time for fuck what? Uh, as the guest, Brittany. <laughs> I mean, I tell think, us what's your fuck watch, Rick? I mean, the praying mantis just <laughs> really like. First of all, all they wanted was one thing. They just wanted to see their children, and you know what I mean. Like at all costs, this mother. Just wanted to protect her baby. Mother or father or father. Oh, yeah. They are genderless. That's right. But just for my own issues, I'm going to say mother. Um, <laughs> and gorgeous caboose. Gorgeous. Wow, wow. 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 And I just think that, you know, this praying mantis didn't want to cause any harm either. Like, it's so rare that we run into a demon or a creature that, like, really just wants to, like, get by unscathed and is like, OK, if I have to, like fight you fine but I don't really want to I just like want to live my own life too like maybe this could be another member of angel investigations <laughs> I am I gonna say um a demon for for my fuck watch which is uh it's gonna be Trish Burkle Fred's Aww. mom which is she's driving that bus and she goes boom yeah did I get it did I get it she has Y'all. good timing she also like clearly has initiative where she's like Nobody's going to just tell me to get in a bus and like hotwire it maybe <laughs> and then kill this thing. She like thought of that on her own. She is Fred's mother. So we're <laughs> at the hotel. And, you know, this demon or this creature, they don't know how to fight it. And then all of a sudden, Fred is back and she sets up her little Guess toaster. 
and <laughs> back again. And she kicks it, or she, you know, she pushes the pedal or whatever, and then this axe comes out and it hits. It doesn't hit the the praying mantis. It hits the Dursler head, and then a bunch of you know, like little cockroaches come out. Um, which is that's why really it was a. Uh- an advisory is the cockroaches. I, I remember watching this like originally me like, oh no, I don't like that at all. Yeah. Yeah. That is a grody scene. But then, you know, this gender neutral, uh, praying mantis comes up, scoops up their babies and then just leaves. And that is the reason that this thing was following angel around because he brought the head back like a little mm-hmm. dummy and the whole hive showed up to reclaim the offspring and obviously, thematically, that's what Fred's parents did as well. Um, it's you know, it's all about it's all about parents, man. Parents, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna say it's time to talk about uh, what episode of the WB. Hell yeah! Uh, should Angel watch? I'm excited to hear. exactly an episode that Angel should watch. Maybe the whole team. Maybe Fred. Um, this is an episode about just like teamwork and how important it is. So this is um, the pilot for the television show and adaptation of the, the book series Fearless, which uh, you might be thinking, well, that never aired. And that's true, actually. <laughs> so um, Fearless, based on the book series, was ordered two series for the 2003-2004 WB television se- season, um, produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. Maybe you've heard of him. The Bruck? The Bruck. And that didn't happen. Uh, it, they decided maybe we should... Jerry Bruckheimer himself decided, um, actually, we're going to air in mid-season because we're not ready to, to air, pretty much. <laughs> but ju- just so you know, Fearless uh, starred Rachel Lee Cook, Eric Balfour, maybe you know from Buffy the Vampire Slayer as Jesse. Sure do. Uh, in the pilot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, also starred Bianca Lawson. Maybe you know from Buffy the Vampire Ooh, as Slayer. Kendra. <laughs> also starred um, a, a little handsome man named Ian Summerhalder. Oh, from Empire Diaries. <laughs> yes, he's not from Vampire Diaries. He is from the podcast, The Empire Diaries. He plays um, on The Empire Diaries, the character known as Damo. Maybe you've heard of him. <laughs> but yeah, so Fearless was based on a book series about um, this young woman who... She was born without the fear gene. So she didn't fear things. So when WB got a hold of it, it's like, we're going to age her up, make her an FBI agent, and she's an FBI agent without the fear gene. And that is our Rachel Lee Cook character. Gaia, what a name. She was a lone wolf in the FBI. And, you know, she had to deal with partners who depend on her, which were, of course, played by Eric Balfour and Bianca Lawson. And you have Ian Summerholder playing, like, the hacker with a heart of gold because Ian Summerholder, for a long time, played um, the most earnest characters you could ever find despite looking like Ian Summerholder. <laughs> Literally, that pilot is just about Gaia learning how to be part of a team and accepting people and just all working together, which is something Fred learns here. And you know what? All of Angel Investigations could really appreciate this fearless pilot because being a team and learning to be a family and, you know, learning to 
interact to this, the tunes of Extraordinary by Liz Fair. <laughs> That's how you, you work as a human being. Do you want me to, to tell you this, the soundtrack to this pilot of like, television? I absolutely want to hear that. Okay, as I said, extraordinary Liz Fair from the the album Liz Fair, the best Liz Fair album. <laughs> I said it. Yeah, the best one. Don't let me get me pink. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Pharrell and Snoop Dogg. The Reckoning. Boomcat. The name of the game. The Crystal Method. In my place. Coldplay. Seven Nation Army. The White Stripes. Uh, that's the climax of the episode. And do you want to know how the episode closes? Uh, can you can you guess, Brittany? Wait, give me like a genre. Pop rock? Uh, female vocalist. 2003, 2004. I want to say vocalist. like Fifi Dobson. <laughs> uh, that would have been great if Fifi was in it, but she's not. The, the answer is uh, Bring Me to Life, Evanescence. Oh my God. <laughs> that's how it ends when Guy is like, I'm going to let you guys in on my secret about being... Fearless. <laughs> it's a really fun karaoke song to do, by the way. So, yeah. For- Did you like that, Brittany? I love that. Like that. So, <laughs> I, I also love that Fred has decided to stay. She's decided that she like can't go back now knowing what she knows. She needs to contribute and they're all really happy. The cute thing that her parents say is like, yeah, we were kind of hoping that you wouldn't figure that out. They're all they're oh. like trying to balance their own sadness that she's not going to be going back home with them. But they're also probably happy that um, they don't have to like rearrange her room that they <laughs> filled up with other <laughs> shit. They did. They rented it out. It was after her her fourth year, yeah. being like have, having disappeared after four out of five years. Like it makes sense. It makes sense. I get it. They got to pay rent. Um, <laughs> and then it cuts to like a sweet moment of of all of them painting the walls of her bedroom, painting over her trauma together as Aww. a team. Beautiful. Well, this is so delightful. Oh, a delightful thing about an episode about trauma like that's what the episode is about but it was also about healing trauma there are technically fun episodes after this one but they're all very much in within the arcs of the season why are you showing me your guitar my cat hi cat hey play bag do you see the toy hi <laughs> she's a, she's a little sweetie pie <laughs> hey Brittany. yes where can people find you? People can find me at Brit27Ash on Instagram and Twitter. That's B-R-I-T-T-27-A-S-H. Yes. And <laughs> I also have a website, BrittanyAshleyFunny.com, where I also just recently in October wrote a Halloween-themed uh, Buffy crossover with my so-called life spec. So feel free to read that. It's on my website. Cool. Extremely Cool. <laughs> And of course, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Angel on Top Cast. Email us at Angel on Top Podcast at gmail.com. Go to angelontop.com immediately. You must. You, you go to our Patreon. Give me money, baby. 
And just, you know, if you want to tweet me, because I don't do Instagram because I am old, tweet me at LaFergs, L-A-F-E-R-G-S. I will be tweeting about something. Maybe it's Ted Lasso. Maybe it's the Vampire Diaries. Maybe it's Angel. Maybe it's just about um, my vodka martini because I'm sad because I did not get a job I wanted. <laughs> it could be about anything. Who can know? Yeah. We can't say. Who? 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 Can know. There will be um, a fun shift to these episodes uh, starting in the new year. And I think you guys will appreciate it. And if not, um, don't tell me. <laughs> don't tell anyone. Um, write if it, you don't like it. Write it in a note. Burn it. And then carry on. And that's it. That's the show. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Ever since I was born, I could hear the spirits of the other world. Where old stories take on a new life. If you break even one of these conditions, the consequence is death. And the world is teeming with possibilities. It's midnight, girls! They're here! Get ready to change! Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz! Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with as you've never heard them before. You are no more than a demon! Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales.